Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Good morning and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman, and we are doing what is likely our final Pac-12 preview ever. So a little sad on on that note, but um, we have a lot to talk about. Realignment, uh, conference championship games, uh, teams that might surprise, and then how the realignment and moving to the Big Ten, ten will impact um, what happens to U- USC and UCLA go on the road we saw last year that that Texas and, and Oklahoma basically was treated as the other team's Super Bowl uh, as a farewell to the Big 12 conference and thanks for nothing, um, basically. So uh, before we get started, this episode of the Hoosier Huddle podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink. Uh, it's where the intersection of sports and not sports happens. Uh, you can visit Sports Drink on, at sportsdrink.com or on social media at sports drink, uh, spelled sports drink, but without the vowels. Uh, so TJ, with that, uh, what are your initial thoughts on the Pac-12 this year and what could be the final season of that conference? Or not the final season, but y- you know what I mean, since right. they're USC yeah. and UCLA leaving 2024. Yep, um, it's certainly a, a league in transition um, both in terms of the, the teams and in terms of, you know, the personnel that they have on it, the coaching staff, uh, total changeover at USC. Obviously, that's a big deal. Oregon bringing in a new coach and Dan Lanning after Mario Cristobal heads to Miami. Um, so I, I think that, you know, kind of their, their marquee flagship programs, both under new leadership. Uh, and then Washington with uh, a lot of IU ties now with Kalen DeBoer, uh, the new head coach there, and Michael Penix uh, battling for a quarterback spot. So uh, certainly lots of kind of ties to Indiana in the Big Ten throughout this league. I still view it as a conference that while USC is going to continue to be the flash, um, I, I think that as much attention as that's going to get, I still view it as being Utah's league uh, to lose. Um, I have so much respect for for that program. I think that Utah is incredibly stable um, and solid and difficult to play against. And they, they return quite a bit. You know, there's not a whole lot of reasons to doubt that Utah – uh, can can take this conference, and I think that they could be a dark horse contender for a playoff bid. And the reason I say that, they have an opening game at Florida, which is a win that you know they they can get. They're in a place where Florida, you figure, is going to be 
a little bit rough around the edges there in the opener, whereas Utah knows exactly who they are. Um, so maybe that's a win they can go get in the swamp. And then after that, they're at UCLA, they're against USC, they're at Oregon. If they can go through with one loss and be Pac-12 champs, uh, you know, there's there's a real shot that they can uh, crack into the playoff. Um, I think that's certainly going to be difficult to do, and I would not predict it. But I do think Utah is the class of this league. Uh, and one of the more kind of stable is the word I always think of with Utah programs in the country. Yeah, and I believe the Pac-12 is moving to the top two teams. They got rid of divisions this year. Right. Right. So right. it's the top two teams. And looking at, at Utah's schedule, yeah. um, you're at Oregon the second to last week uh, of the season. That could be a matchup, uh, a rematch in, in the Pac-12 title game as well, since that could happen now. Um, yeah. That game, this is why I I don't really like conference championship games. It takes a lot of the luster away from that regular season game. But that's a game where if Utah loses at Oregon, which it could happen, it's on the road, it's late in the season, uh, you know, if they get that revenge win, uh, could they go to the playoff? I, I think that would help them out. I think it also helps out that the Big 12 really doesn't have a playoff contender uh, to jump in there. And the the group of five, yeah, Cincinnati's really, really good. But I don't know if they, A, are as good as last year because they lost a ton of talent to the NFL. And B, if they have the schedule uh, to do it. So you're looking at maybe not a group of five, maybe not the big 12. So are you going to take three teams from the SEC uh, is a two-loss team going to get in, or does the Pac-12 have a legit shot? I do think they have a legit shot. However, with Utah, usually when they have high expectations, they kind of take a step back. Uh, but they they were the class of the, the Pac-12 last year. Uh, they gave Ohio State a run for their money. They probably should have won that game as well. Um, and they have, they have the schedule. They just need Florida not to be like 2-10. and 10. If Florida is a six and six team, I think going down there and winning on the season opener uh, gives them some clout. If if Florida ends up being whatever, two and ten, three and nine, four and eight in a rebuild year, I don't know if they get the credit, even even though they play in the SEC. Uh, I don't know if they get that credit, but they do have other other teams in there who will be top 25, top 15 teams in, in USC, Oregon. Um, and maybe even UCLA. So I, I think you're right there uh, with Oregon, who, or with Utah, who might be that second team that slides in behind them? I, I think that the safe pick is going to be USC just because of all the offensive talent uh, and offensive pedigree that Lincoln Riley brings. Um, but if I had to choose someone besides USC and kind of a just a, a fun team that I'm really looking forward to watching, uh, the answer is Oregon State. Um, and I, I know that that is definitely going out on a limb, uh, 
but I, I really, really like the job that Jonathan Smith has done there uh, with the Beavers. And I, they bring back Chance Nolan, and I'm going to give away, I was going to kind of drop a little, you know, fun fact. Did you know? Uh, but the answer is going to be a bit obvious now that I'm talking about it. Uh, the team that led the Pac-12 in yards per play was Oregon State last season. And that's something that nobody would have predicted. Nobody would have been paying attention to. Um, but uh, it apparently, their their offense, I think, progressed to a level where they are much more uh, than what you'd expect. You know, the sum is greater than the parts. Uh, Damian Martinez is a guy that has gotten a lot of buzz as a running back. Deshaun Fenwick. Um, is back at, at, at uh, running back as well. They bring back pretty much all the receivers that they had. Um, I think it would have been really interesting to see Oregon State play Purdue at the end of the season last year because uh, Oregon State got a whole lot better during the year. And they lost to Purdue early. I think they would have beaten them towards the end of the year. Uh, the defense continues to get better. Uh, so I, there's a lot of stuff to like about Oregon State, and they've begun to develop a culture there where they expect to win. Uh, yep. So, you know, credit to Jonathan Smith. I think that Oregon State's a lot of fun. Look, USC is undoubtedly more talented, but, I mean, prove to me that you can stop anybody. Exactly. And that defense was really bad last year, and based on personnel – it doesn't really look like it's going to be a whole lot better. I mean, there's no doubt that they're going to be able to score points, but can they stop anybody? Um, you know, Caleb Williams coming in with Lincoln Riley, and then they also add Jordan Addison, who's one of the best wide receivers in the country, if not the best wide receiver after Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, I would say. Um, but, you know, he's really good. We can nitpick about who's one, two, and three, but that's a major addition. They also get two big-time running back transfers, Travis Dye and Austin Jones. Uh, but, you know, I think that beyond that flash, like I talked about earlier, I think there's some questions about the offensive line and major questions about the defense. They got run on pretty much every game last year, uh, and now you, know, you turn around and their over-under for wins is nine and a half. Uh, at least it might have moved, but that's what I got it at. I took the under nine and a half and, and thought, you know, that's an easy bet. You, you cannot have this much change and expect to have it be a seamless transition, particularly when things weren't great the season before. Uh, I think that there's a lot of holes still to fill for USC to be the type of program that they envision themselves as already. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley is going to be able to score points with his offense. I just, I don't see the defense there. I think Oregon State's a more complete team. Um, looking at the, the schedules for, for those two teams, you know, I, I, I don't view USC's schedule as being particularly difficult. Uh, but, you know, it's certainly more difficult than Oregon State. Uh, 
you know, the Beavers play Boise State at Fresno State, Montana State in their non-conference. So, yep. you know, Boise State, Oregon State, that's a fun game, uh, but it's in Corvallis. I would expect Oregon State to win that game. Uh, Fresno State's kind of rebuilding, so I, I wouldn't necessarily pick them to beat Oregon State either, but those are two, you know, very solid group of five teams that they'll be forced to battle with. Um, but they get USC at home. So long way of saying I'm taking Oregon State uh, to finish third in this league uh, and really surprise people. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen it before where Oregon State has had solid teams and USC has got up there and lost. Uh, so September 24th when USC uh, visits Oregon State, that's a game um, that – could dictate where each season goes. Um, looking at, at USC, you're right. Their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed last year on the ground. Um, they, their non-conference schedule outside of Notre Dame at the end of the season isn't anything to, to really write home about. It's Rice, Fresno State um, at home and, and, and Notre Dame. Um, they they avoid they avoid Oregon, um, right? That's that's the big one there. Yeah, I mean they they their two probably toughest conference games are at Oregon State and then at Utah on September fifteenth. I uh, I'm not sold on USC either. It's and here's here's my thinking. We saw it last year after Oklahoma and Texas announced their they're moving to the SEC. Teams in the Big 12 took it as their Super Bowl to play these guys because it's probably their last time playing them at home um, or one of their final times playing them at home and, and made it super important because they, they just took the two biggest brands in the Big 12 and packed up and said, hey, we're leaving. And it's kind of a giant middle finger to the rest of the pack the, or the Big 12. I could see the same thing happening with, with USC and UCLA. Um, USC is really easy to hate. Uh, they're really easy to hate. And I think being an obvious money grab and look, the PAC 12 has nobody to blame, but themselves for their lack of TV revenue and the PAC 12 network being a total disaster, but it was a, a move based on greed and money, not, hey, it's what's, you know, best for everybody on every level. This was just, hey, we could get $100 million a year. We're going to do it, which whatever. But the, these fan bases are going to be out for blood when USC or UCLA, but especially USC, comes to town. Uh, and I think that plays a factor. You saw it. I know Kansas beat Texas on the road last year. But that was kind of a little bit of a, hey, yeah, nice parting gift uh, to go to the SEC. You can't, you can't even beat Kansas at home. Good luck against, you know, Alabama, LSU, and, and all of them. So that's what I'm, I'm looking for is how, how the rest of Pac-12 is going to respond. Uh, because they, that conference is in danger of not existing in 2024. But there are some teams in the middle. Uh, Stanford has kind of fallen back down to earth uh, under David Shaw, but uh, 
they had a lot of restrictions during COVID and, and things like that. They might be able to bounce back. Uh, and then you have two disasters in Arizona. Arizona State is um, a total mess. If you don't know what – there's – Herman Edwards has a ton of recruiting violations and accusations and, and things like that and transfers out. That could be – he might be the first Power 5 coach to lose his job this year. Or am I wrong? Yeah. No, that, that could absolutely happen. I mean, a lot of defections in the portal. They lost a lot on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, had to bring in some players to to replace them. Emory Jones is going to try to kind of resurrect his career at, at quarterback there, uh, replacing Jaden Daniels, who I was never all that impressed with anyway, but um, lost a ton on defense they only get three starters back uh with that unit so it, it's definitely um it would be a big surprise if arizona state was able to get to a bowl game i think that there's a real potential that it completely falls apart uh and that the bottom falls out arizona um you know jetfish i think they went one and eleven last year but uh they were at least somewhat competitive um, and I think they feel good about how they are, uh, how they're recruiting. Um, they're in much better shape than Arizona State. I mean, there are two different yeah, points. It's, it's on the upward trajectory as opposed to uh, the Sun Devils, which is definitely uh, waiting trending. to bottom out. Yeah, trending down. Um, Stanford, I think it's a case of lost identity. Uh, they have not been able to continue being the bully on the block in this conference that that kind of went to Oregon and Utah um, with Mario Cristobal there. I don't think Dan Lanning is going to, going to change that either. I mean, he's going to continue to want to play through the trenches. Stanford hasn't been able to adjust to that. Um, they've lost their identity there. You know, I, one team in this kind of middle to bottom group that I looked at was Colorado who, Got off to a decent uh, decent first year for Carl Durrell, which was a very interesting hire that drew a lot of criticism. Looked pretty good after 2020. Last year was a big step back as they go just four and eight. But, I mean, we complain a lot about, you know, some of the non-conference scheduling that Indiana has done in the past. How about this non-conference schedule for a program that's struggling? TCU, Minnesota, and Air Force, uh, that's really, Ridiculous. really not doing yourself any favors at all. Um, no. For, for and it's at, and two of those are on the road. Yeah, two are on the road. Um, very perplexing to saddle yourself with three very losable games, um, the three games that you're going to be an underdog in. Yep. I don't really – understand the rationale behind that but um you know regardless of their non-conference schedule they were going to struggle in conference play anyway um the only team that we really haven't touched on yet is the one with iu ties and that'd be washington uh what are you expecting number one from michael Penix uh in the pac-12 
if anything, I think what we both hope for is just that he can have a full season of football and be healthy. Uh, but, yep. you know, do you have any expectations for, for Michael Penix? And then long-term as the leader of the program, what are you expecting uh, Kalen DeBoer to do uh, in Seattle? Well, you were just up in Washington. Uh, I don't know if you, you offered Kalen DeBoer your $20 to come back to IU. Um, yeah, I couldn't he, find him. I, I couldn't find him. I don't, I don't, he, he didn't return my calls. Uh, couldn't find him on campus. I, I don't know. Maybe the offer was too tempting and he just couldn't allow himself to even consider it. I don't know, but I guess yeah. he'll be staying there. Uh, Washington had their own problems under, under the, the last regime and, and Jimmy Lake. I think there was a lot of things that were going wrong that finally manifested in itself. And it really did not help that they lost um, to the Montana or Montana state. They lost to Montana in the opener um, and then had to go play at Michigan uh, and, and things like that. Um, well, they credit, had some... to them, credit to them for acting quickly on that. Um, oh yeah. It you know, was really close not... in the year to, to do that. I don't, I think they have some talent. I think the offense is going to be fixed uh, and, and things like that. And they have, they have the facilities. They have, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with conference realignment because they they're they have a good football tradition. And it wasn't too long ago that they were. I mean, they made the playoff, but they got hammered. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. I, I do think Kalen DeBoer is a good hire for them. Uh, we'll see what they could do with the defense. Uh, they need a, a head coach of the defense uh, there as well. But as far as Michael Penix goes, he I, I just want him to be healthy. And it's not – I'm not going to look at it if he goes to Washington and um, and plays out of this world – I'm not going to be mad about it. I, I know there's probably some IU football fans that go, oh, how, how could you let this guy go? And yeah, all that stuff. His time at IU was over. They, they both needed fresh starts and it's nobody's fault. You know, injuries happen and, and, and those things, it was just time to move on. And I, you know, he's, his best season was probably 2019 under Kalen DeBoer. So they're comfortable with each other. Now, if he could win the starting job, uh, great. Good for him. I, I hope he plays in all 12 games this year and, and gets a shot at the next level. Uh, Washington is a team with so many IU ties that I'll probably stay up and watch some of those games as long as they're on, you know, normal television and not the Pac-12 network. But, uh -huh. yeah, you know, it, it will be really, really interesting to see what, what they do because I don't think they – their talent was as bad as a four and eight season last year. Um, I think that was their worst season since like 2007. Uh, but I also, uh, with the coaching transition, you know, there, it might not go back to where they were under, you know, Chris Peterson and, and those that quickly. They do have, um, they do play Michigan state in the non-conference, which is a, a, a nice, 7:30 ABC game, uh, at, and IU plays at noon that day, so that that's 
that one we could sit down and watch, but they their schedule is pretty tough. They have to go to you get Michigan State in non conference, go to UCLA, play, as bad as Arizona State might be, playing in the heat stinks. Um, and then you have to go at Oregon and you end the season at Washington State. And Washington State's kind of rebuilding too, but a home game against a rival, they're going to want that one pretty badly. Yeah, I, I, I think um, they're much. They had a lot more talent than a four and eight team. Um, so I think there's plenty for Kevin DeBoer to work with to get off to a solid start. Uh, I think uh, you know, improving on offense, which should not be a big issue. Uh, improving on offense, getting yourself to a bowl game. I think that'd be a solid start for him. And of course you know, how you recruit. And a lot of that's going to, going to depend on the, uh, the future of that program and where they land as far as conference realignment goes. Is it a, uh, you know, partnership with the Big 12 where those two kind of merge into a, what they hope is kind of the third uh, super conference, if you will? Is that a viable option? Or are a couple of these other Pac-12 teams like a Washington and an Oregon or like, um, you know, maybe it's Stanford and Cal uh, bolting somewhere together. Are they going to jump ship and leave the Pac-12 as, you know, just a five or six school little group that doesn't add much to a Big 12 partnership? Um, I think that there's Still a lot to play out with it. Washington is definitely going to be one of the key linchpins because of their, you know, pretty much they are the main school in a very large television market in Seattle. So uh, they have a lot of cachet, um, but it's not going to be uh, easy for them to just wait around and find a destination. They're going to have to make a decision probably without really knowing what the final numbers are. I know a lot of these schools are waiting for, hey, what's our bottom line with option A? And what's our bottom line with option B? Option B, that's not going to be possible uh, for a lot of these schools. They're not going to know for sure what those numbers are. And they're not going to be able to wait for all of their options to present themselves. Because if you wait too long, that option might be off the table and you're left without a choice. Uh, so it's it, Washington and Oregon both, I think, are kind of key players in this with are they going to try and do a merger with the Big 12 and be a key part of that? Are they going to try to jump ship to the Big 10? Does the Big 10 want that? I personally think if Washington and Oregon were offered – a spot in the Big Ten, they would take it before the Big Ten hung up the phone. Um, I agree. I just, I don't, I don't think the Big Ten is ready to do anything until they hear back from South Bend. I, I agree. And you, you have media days, Big Ten media days are coming up. And if nothing's announced by then, I don't think you hear anything until the end of the season, um, especially with Notre Dame. Uh, but yeah. 
they're going to have to make a move. They, they have, like you said, they have a good brand and, and they're going to have to, you can't wait around for Notre Dame forever. Notre Dame and the big 10 have been doing this dance for 150 years. Um, so you, they have to have a contingency plan on what happens if Notre Dame, instead of going to the big 10 goes to the ACC uh, or some other conference or stays an in independent uh, and things like that. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be, it's going to be really, really interesting to see where this all shakes out and we'll see if it's good enough, if it's good for college football or if it's a disaster for college football, I just hope that they don't get into this national title or bust type of model, uh, kind of like college basketball. Um, but if you could keep, you know, a four or 16 playoff and all the balls, I'm fine with traveling to California every once in a while if I'm IU. Um, but you know, if it's just going to be, you know, the top 12 teams getting into a playoff and no bowl games, what's the point of it? What's the point of playing football? If you're a team like Indiana or Stanford or, you know, Cal, uh, teams like that. So it's, it's going to be a real interesting season and off season coming up. I feel like we've talked about conference realignment for the last decade now. Uh, about this so uh let's get back to to the on-field products tj who are your we discussed a little bit earlier who are your two picks to play in the conference championship game just a reminder uh for our listeners the pac-12 got rid of divisions and they are um they're playing the two best records go to the conference title game yep um i, I think oregon brings back enough to be really good again. Uh, I do not think that they are a national title threat uh, or really even a playoff threat. Um, I just don't think their quarterback play with probably going to be Bo Nix. I don't think it's strong enough for them to really be a threat to win uh, even the Pac-12. I do think they're the second best team though. Uh, I've got them taking on Utah, losing to the Utes, who um, I don't. I think they end up falling just short of the playoff, but uh, I think it'll be another really good year for Kyle Whittingham and Utah. I'm picking them to win the Pac-12. Yeah, that, that's that's a good pick. I, I'd probably do the same two teams as you. I, it's going to really depend on what Bo Nix could do at Oregon. Can he take that next step that he couldn't take at Auburn? Uh, he doesn't have to play in the SEC East or West, sorry, uh, yeah. the SEC West. Uh, if he could be the quarterback, I mean, heck, Anthony Brown worked well last year uh, coming from BC. Can he be uh, the quarterback that that takes Oregon um, to not to the next level? Uh, but at least to the Pac-12 championship game, you'll find that out real quickly when they play Georgia on the opening weekend, I, I think down yeah. in Atlanta or, or something. Um, but it's another chance for, for a rematch. They do play Utah the second to last win, uh, week of the season. Uh, that last three games for Utah or for Oregon is tough. You got Washington at home, Utah at home, and then you have to go to Oregon State. 
uh, for, it's not called the Civil War game anymore. We'll call it the Duck Beaver Bowl or whatever um, for, for that rivalry game. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Utah and, and Oregon as well. It would be a rematch. And if, if Utah could get through that schedule at 12-1 and one and get a revenge win against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, I think the Pac-12 gets a gets a team in, and, and vice versa with Oregon. If they could somehow knock off Georgia in the opener and, and make it through their schedule at one loss and, and win a Pac-12 title, they could be in the playoffs as well. Yeah, it's very possible. I think that um, there is the opportunity there. Uh, they're just they're going to need a little bit of assistance elsewhere. And you, you mentioned that on paper looks very possible given uh, the state of the group of five this year and the state of the big 12 potentially as, as non-playoff threats. So um, they'll have their chance. I think it's a fun conference with, uh, you know, a, a very large middle that a lot of different things could play out. Uh, plus, you know, fun seeing, um, you know, new leadership at these marquee programs and kind of how they choose to to set their course. Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley, very different coaches, uh, very different philosophies uh, with how to build a football program. But both, you know, so far, um, Lincoln Riley has been very successful. Dan Lanning coming from a championship at, with Georgia as the defensive coordinator. So I, I I think there's a, a lot of reason for both programs to be optimistic. Uh, Oregon certainly further along in their development plan than USC is. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun conference to watch, mainly because it doesn't really conflict with the Big Ten very often. We're able to stay up late and watch the, the Pac-12 after dark stuff. And uh, typically, it's very enjoyable. It is. As long as you can find it on TV, it's fantastic. Pac-12 after dark is usually some crazy games, high-scoring games, just like the Big 12. I said the same thing. Um, and you do have some marquee names out there playing late games that, you know, when you either want to decompress from watching an IU football game or you, you can't sleep on a, on a Saturday night and need something in the background, Pac-12 is fantastic. But they made their bed with the Pac-12 network and it's coming to bite them in the rear end. Um, I don't think I've ever watched the Pac-12 network because I've never had the Pac-12 network. So who knows how awesome it is or not. Um, but the reviews are that, that it, it's terrible. And the fact that you can't get it on any cable channel basically is, is kind of ridiculous, but uh, final question, TJ, we we've done this with the SEC and the big 12. Uh, wh who's your road trip this year? Which game are, are, you know, not a neutral site game, but which Pac-12 conference game are you are you heading to um, this year? I have always wanted to see a game at the Rose Bowl. Um, ideally, it would be Indiana playing in the actual Rose Bowl game. Uh, but for this season, I think it'd be a lot of fun to go see Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly battling uh, at the Rose Bowl Stadium, not the game, uh, Saturday, November 19th, UCLA hosting the USC Trojans. Who knows? 
there could be a trip to the Pac-12 title game on the line with that one. I don't expect that, but it could happen. Uh, so I'm choosing uh, USC at UCLA. I'm, I'm going out west to Eugene. I'm going to take Utah um, at Oregon on, yeah. what is that, uh, November 19th. Uh, Austin Stadium is supposed to be uh, fantastic. Eugene is supposed to be beautiful. That is, that game will probably also be for a spot in the Pac-12 championship game, whether, you know, one or the other clinches it or they knock the other one out. Uh, that That's a, a huge game, uh, a huge game there. And you get to hang out with the Duck. What's better than that? Yep. Yeah, that's a good choice, too. I considered a couple different Oregon games. Um, that's another place I'd love to get out to um, to see a game there. I know that the Pac-12 gets kind of ragged on for um, some of their schools not having great attendance. You know, you see that some with Cal. You see it some with Stanford. Uh, but by and large, I, I on TV, the atmospheres look really, really fun. Um, yep. So I, I don't really get the complaints. Um, I, I think that these are schools that, for the most part, definitely care about their programs. Um, and I think painting the whole conference with the broad brush of, oh, it's West Coast, they don't care, uh, I think it's pretty unfair. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and we'll see what happens to the conference. It's a historic conference. Um, we'll see what, you know, if it devalues the Rose Bowl game, if they're, because it's traditionally Big Ten, Pac 12, or Pac 10 back in the day, or Pac 8, way, way back in the day. Um, we'll see. But times are changing and, and things have to evolve. And you just hope that they, they evolve in, in, in a good way and not devolve into just a mishmash of teams with no, you know, regional rivalries, no national rivalries. Cause you know, Notre Dame, USC, Notre Dame, Stanford uh, are, are good rivalries as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see where, where the, uh, the chips fall here in the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, but it, it will be, if the PAC 12 does dissolve, it'll be a, uh, I think a sad day for college football fans uh, because those games at 10 o'clock at night when, you know, you need something to watch uh, sports wise, uh, those will be missed because they were a lot of fun. So anyway, TJ, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for being flexible uh, as well with date and time. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk the ACC um, do we want to do the independence with the group of five or the ACC? Um, I would say that we uh, throw them in there, uh, maybe do a little bit of a longer show. If that'd be okay with everybody, throw them in there, and then we can kind of move on to the Big Ten and our, our IU-specific uh, shows. And I, I know Andy Graham's going to be back on with us soon. So yep. that's going to be awesome. We'll get Andy yeah. Graham back on. We'll get uh, we'll get Matt Weaver back on to talk a little recruiting before the season as well, uh, and then we'll we'll find new guests, um, you know, throughout the season. Talk about what's up with Indiana football. 
Right now, our countdown to kickoff uh, is continuing. We are at day 50. We're halfway there uh, as of recording of this podcast. Season's right around the corner, so come back to HoosierAuto.com. We also have our uh, opponent previews. Uh, Nebraska will drop tomorrow. Uh, and then, you know, Big Ten Media Days is four, 12 days away, a couple weeks, you know, two weeks away about. Uh, we'll have somebody on the ground in Indianapolis at Big Tw- Ten Media Days um, and, and things like that. So the season's coming up. It, get prepared. Uh, you know, listen to all the podcasts and all that stuff. Make sure you, you know, subscribe, rate, comment, uh, and, and things like that. And follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, anyway, thank you, TJ. Enjoy the rest of your week. Everybody have a great weekend as well. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk the ACC. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery 
starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.